You're listening to the Tefl Commute Podcast, Episode 1, Commuting. Hello everyone and welcome to the Tefl Commute. This is Episode 1, the very first pilot episode of a new podcast for English language teachers. I'm Lindsay Clanfield. And I'm Sean Wilden. And we're going to be your host for this podcast, which is about, well, it's going to be about a lot of things. Yeah, we're both English teachers and teacher trainers, but we're also keen podcast listeners ourselves, and we wanted to make a podcast that would address different aspects of the English teacher's life in a lighthearted way. This is not going to be a podcast for heavy discussions or anything about language change, dogma, or the benefits and drawbacks of technology in the language classroom, or even the native versus non-native teacher debate, although we may touch upon those things. We prefer to approach the field of TEFL from a different angle. We want to share interesting facts and things we've discovered, give our listeners ideas for classes, and really just have a bit of fun with it. We've called it the TEFL Commute because we wanted it to be just the right length to get you through your commute to work. In fact, we hope you're listening to this on the way to work right now. But I know some teachers who are very literal. So if you're not com- if you're not com- commuting, that doesn't mean to say you can't listen. So you can listen while you're marking homework, doing the dishes, or even preparing lessons. So Lindsay, what do you want to talk about today? Well, I thought we could start our first podcast by going, as they say on the internet, meta and talk about commuting. What's your commute? It usually takes me about 20 to 25 minutes by car, but if the traffic is bad, it really takes up to 45 minutes. Um, Yes, I commute to work, um, and it takes me about five minutes to get there. Uh, It's about an hour. I go by bicycle, train, and if it's raining, bus also. If it's not raining, I walk. I live about an hour from the office where I work and I used to get the train which took almost two hours. It takes over an hour if the traffic is cooperative. I could use the metro but I prefer to drive. Not only is it more convenient but I also love driving. I take the bus to work. It's about 10 minutes on the bus and then I walk another 10. Depending on traffic, 10 to 12 minutes. So, The way we want to do this section is a common way that we've heard on other podcasts. What we've done is we've gathered some interesting things to know about commuting and teachers in commuting, and we want to share them with you. But first, Sean, let me ask you a question. Do you commute to work? And if you do, (laughs) what is your commute to work? That's not a great question to ask me. Uh, Generally speaking, no. (laughs) No, So your commute is like 30 30 seconds. Uh, If that, I have to go from, I could literally roll out of bed and start working because I spend a lot of time teaching online uh, with it. Actually, as we're recording this, my commute's about five minutes by bike. Um, Like you, I guess a lot of my work is actually, a lot of my commuting is actually by uh, things like aeroplane because if I'm not working at home, I'm often in different countries running training or um, or conferences, those kind of things. I guess you're the same, yeah? Yeah, no, I mean, definitely. My, my, most of my work is at home. I suppose I teach a couple of times a week, and that commute is really nice. It's really short. It's, I do it on foot, and it's around 20 minutes, just enough time to listen to a podcast, for example. Okay, well, Sean, wait a second then. 
this has obviously not always been the case for you. Have you ever commuted? Have you ever had long commutes to work uh, in teaching and other jobs in the past? Uh, yeah, actually, I think uh, most teachers do. I think, uh, in fact, one of the worst things I used to have about the commute, commute is actually kind of that split shift commute where you commute in, commute out, commute in, commute out <laughs> over a day. Um, actually, when I started language teaching in in uh, in Greece many, many years ago now, uh, my boss wanted me to commute by motorcycle, mo- my motorbike, as you do in Athens. Um <laughs> Uh, I've never been on a bike and so he took me as I was like pillion passenger for the first ever commute and within two seconds we'd hit a car so um, that wasn't perhaps the greatest start to aim my teaching career or commuting Uh, but yeah I think most teachers commute at some point don't they? Yeah. Oh, no, I think so, too. And I hope that we'll get feedback from listeners telling us their kind of crazy commuting stories. Uh, I don't think I have any crazy ones. I do remember that split shift. Uh, If people aren't sure what we're talking about, we're talking about here the kind of thing where, uh, for example, when I was teaching in Barcelona, I had classes starting at 8 in the morning till 10. Then I had classes from 1 to 3. And then I had classes from 4.30 to 8 or 6 to 8.30 or something like that. So there was a lot of time commuting and also in the middle of like these kind of rush hour peaks uh, that were that were horrible, just trying to get into Barcelona for 8 o'clock in the morning from just outside Barcelona was pretty awful. So... Um, but let's, I mean, commuting and teachers in general. Sean, do you have anything uh, that you found out about commuting that you'd like to share with us? I would, I, it's interesting. I think at this time of year, commute is something that seems to go uh, all over the uh, the internet. I don't know whether it's kind of, you know, that we have silly season in the summer where yeah. there's no stories. And obviously, commuting uh, is, is something that the papers write about in winter. And I've never really noticed that. Um, uh, until uh, until we were getting ready for this podcast. I mean, this week I've learned, and, and these are kind of things I probably bring up in my class, I've learned that commuting actually makes you younger, that by 2016 we'll be commuting by jetpack. Uh, and uh, the weather's so, so cold in parts of America at the moment that commuters are having their eyeballs frozen. So oh um, <laughs> you're reading different You're reading different websites than I am. Because uh, found, you found, like, good stuff. I found... Uh, here, listen to this, Sean. What do you like? It says ten things commuting does to your body. All bad things. Again, based on uh, American and U- UK studies. All right, so get ready. You want to hear how bad commuting is? Go on. Okay. One, your blood sugar rises. Two, your cholesterol is higher. This is from the American Journal of Preventative Medicine. Your depression risk rises. Your anxiety increases. Your happiness and life satisfaction decline. Your blood pressure temporarily spikes, especially during rush hour, like I was saying in, uh, when I was commuting to Barcelona. I could totally believe that. Your blood pressure rises over time as well. Your cardiovascular fitness drops unless you're riding a bike on your commute. Your sleep suffers. Your back aches. How do you feel that, that? that? That sounds like me on a normal day. Um, but <laughs> I, I can add to that, actually. I can add to that. that, that I, 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 we'll probably get people commenting about this immediately. Apparently, that's worse for women. The uh, the American website PBS said that the commuting uh, commuting research literally drives them mad uh, and says how the, the commuting is more uh, causes more anxiety for women. And those things double if you commute over thirty minutes. So it's a good a good thing commuting, isn't it? Uh, yeah, indeed. I also I couldn't find anything specifically on commuting and teachers, except for a few threads in Reddit, where people teachers were talking about how far they would be willing to commute. That would be something interesting to hear from our uh, readers. How far would you be willing 
to commute for a really good job? Like how long would you be willing to spend in, in, in a car, for example? Sean, for a great job, how long would you be willing to commute in a day? Um, hmm. Well, I mean, anywhere, really. <laughs> no, I, I mean, commuting is, even if I go to London for to, to do work or, or whatever, even from Oxford, which is so close, that can take up to three hours with, with the morning traffic. So to be honest, I think I, I, at this stage in my life, I'd be quite happy not to commute at all. Not to commute at all. Not even for the dream job. Well, I suppose, yeah, anything over half an hour, I would start thinking that's a lot. Well, did you, did you know that if you actually commute for, there is a term for people that commute for three hours or more, and it's called extreme commuting. So, extreme um, commuting. yeah, so people people um, obviously do do it uh, because there's a term for it. So, uh, but I guess, I, I don't know with teaching, isn't teaching, I mean, I'm not saying we don't, we, I mean, obviously commute, but it does depend, I guess, what kind of, uh, where you teach. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, we both, came, I think we both gave examples of, of the typical private language school with the split shift or whatever. But of course, many language teachers work uh, in the in the local state school. Um, and in that case, I guess the commute, the commute by, might be um, more like uh, an average daily worker in that in that sense. So I, I, I guess context of where you teach and who you teach is, you know, the freelance teacher in Germany probably has a lot more commuting because they're going to, from business to business to business. So exactly. Uh, exactly. As, to, as, as, any, as anything in language teaching, we don't do anything kind of normally, do we? We always have all these different extremes. I found out the origin of the word commute. Did you being, know? Yes, I did. Being a word nerd... I looked it up in the etymology dictionary, and obviously it m comes from the Latin commute, commutare, for to change or transform, um, and uh, the sense of going back and forth to work is only from 1889, um, and it was from a commutation ticket season pass. Uh, so this was a U.S. term for a season ticket, so it was called a commutation ticket because the daily fare was commuted or changed to a single payment. Mm. So there you go. Feel smarter now? Not particularly, but... Uh, <laughs> no, no. So that's why I'll put it into a course book lesson. Okay. <laughs> by, by the way, listeners, we should say that the things that we're referring to, we will provide you with the links and sources on, on our website uh, with it. I'll just go back to what I said at the beginning. How do you fancy commuting by jetpack then, uh, Lindsay? Um, Oof, I don't know. Uh, mm. No, I can't see that. I can't well, there's a New Zealand company that? that's claiming that um, that by 2016 it will be starting, and he and he claims that in five or ten years, and I'll quote, we wouldn't we wouldn't be surprised to see jetpacks flying around on a daily basis. Get out of it. That's like that Amazon thing where they were going to send. Oh, the drones. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I don't. I don't. I don't buy it. I don't think that we'll be commuting by jetpack. I think we still will be commuting, or maybe people will be working more from home. Although we've been saying that for years now. Mm, I think, uh, I, I, yeah, I think teaching is one of those jobs where there's always going to be face-to-face -face work, isn't, isn't there? I mean, yeah. It's always going to be that. Now, uh, whether that, whether online just changed that in any substantial uh, way, I don't think. I don't think so. I think, I think we teachers will always commute. But as I said, again, going back to what I said at the beginning, it does make you younger. The Daily Mail, obviously the most reputable of sources in the UK, su suggests that um, your 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 uh, your tube time will save you one second of life per year. Um, and they, they go on to uh, to explain how Einstein's theory of relativity will therefore make you younger. It's something to do with time slowing down on the tube. Um, so, oh so. Okay, all right.
We're going to change focus here on the podcast, and we're joined by the third person in our team making uh, the Temple Commute podcast, and that is James Taylor. James Taylor is going to be doing a section that we've affectionately called Jargon Buster. I'm going to let him introduce it. The world of English language teaching is positively swimming in acronyms. If we English teachers can't use the initials of a handy phrase to say something quick, easy and completely indecipherable to the rest of the world, we're not happy. And today, we're going to look at the daddy of all acronyms, ELT, and its numerous complicated offspring. ELT is so common that I could have already used it once in this piece if I wasn't such a nice chap and wanted to stop you from suffering from acronym overload. Standing for English language teaching, it basically covers everything. If you do any type of teaching of English anywhere in the world to any kind of student, then you are an English language teacher, ELT. That sounds easy, doesn't it? Things get a bit more complicated though because our colleagues in the US, Canada, Australia and New Zealand apparently prefer to call it ESL, English as a second language. And in a sense they are right because it refers to people who are learning English in a country where English is the first language. So if you teach the language in an English-speaking country, then you're an ESL teacher. But we British weren't so keen on that particular acronym. Who's to say that English is their second language when it might be their third or fourth? That's why we invented ESOL, English for Speakers of Other Languages. But where does that leave people like me who teach in a country where English is not the first language? That's right, we teach EFL, English as a Foreign Language. Simple enough. Except this acronym is not widely embraced in the US, where it is still referred to as ESL, even though it's not. And it's not to be confused with ELF, English as a Lingua Franca, which will probably crop up on a future podcast and is a completely different subject. But it doesn't stop there, as any of these acronyms, with the exception of ELT, can have the letter T for teaching bolted onto the front of it. So we can also describe ourselves as working in TESOL, or TESOL, or TEFL as well. Although saying you're a TEFL teacher is a bit like saying you're going to use an ATM machine, as the M in ATM stands for machine. So where does that leave us? Well, I guess it really depends on how you see yourself. Personally, I consider myself an EFL teacher who works in TEFL. I've never taught ESL, Although working in TESOL is a part of ELT, I'd like to try one day. Until next time, TTYL. So, thank you, James, for enlightening us. Um, Sean. Do you consider yourself, therefore, a, a Tesler, a Tefler, or a Tesler? I think I've always described myself as an EL, EFL teacher rather than an ESL teacher. But it's, uh, 
it's always confusing. What about you, Lindsay? You, you... Uh, I, when I started, I was always like the, an ESL teacher because I taught in Canada and Mexico. But then um, uh, coming over to Europe and hanging out with all you Brits, I think I've become like an, an EFLer or an EFL teacher. That's right, yeah. But James, I've never it's... been the TEFL teacher. I don't, I don't do the redundancy. It's always, yeah, it's always annoyed me. I'm a TEFL teacher. No, I'm an EFL teacher. But I guess each to their own. And as James said, we are an industry that likes our acronyms. So. Indeed we are. And I hope that we'll be uh, visited again by James, who will help, uh, you know, over the course of other episodes, he'll return every once in a while to help clear up little bits and pieces of jargon. Right. I think we're coming to the end of our podcast. Sean, what do you think? I think so. Yeah. We said about a 20 minute commute. So we're getting there. Exactly. And um, where can people find out more about our show, find out what we were talking about, the show notes and all that stuff? Well, they should go to tefelcommute.com. I see that we're tefelcommute, not not TESOL or ESOL commute, but tefelcommute.com. And on tefelcommute.com, you'll find links to all the articles that Lindsay and I talked about at the beginning, the questions that we asked, and obviously uh, things that you can take into the class if you're going to talk about commute. Speaking of which, Lindsay... Yes, uh, I think we'd like to finish by offering everybody a little idea to take into class as you're finishing your commute to work. But in the meantime, we'll say thanks and see you later. See you next time. Have a good lesson. See you next time. Bye. As your commute is coming to an end, here's an idea you could take into class right now. Write the letters of the word commute on the board and ask students if they know what it means. Explain it, then ask them to make an acrostic poem. An acrostic poem is a form of writing where the first letter of each line spells out a word. For commute, you could have cars, overcrowded, metro, madness, and so on. See if the students can come up with an interesting acrostic that conveys their feelings about commuting. You can follow up with questions like, how long is your commute? How do you commute? What's the best part or worst part of commuting? What do you do during your commute? How far would you commute for a dream job? You can also access this activity, links to all the things we've talked about and questions at our website. You've been listening to The Tefl Commute, an original podcast by Lindsay Clanfield Sean Wilden and James Taylor. Visit us at www.tefelcommute.com.